place will go crazy if he hits this. Jack, he got it! And Charlotte FC has won in penalties five. Guys, live and underway here on ESPN Plus alongside Hercules Gomez. I'm Sebastian Salazar. We are celebrating a historic midweek, Herc, for Major League Soccer. Don Garber's dream has come true. They are finally, finally catching up and perhaps even overtaking the best clubs in the world. They're going to win the World Cup. <laughs> There's a reporter somewhere in Chicago who's thinking about asking Bastian Schweinsteiger that very, very same question. We've got a busy show coming up for you tonight. In just a few minutes, you're going to hear from Mauricio Pedrosa. We also have an interview with Ashley Sanchez, the newly minted CONCACAF champion, of course, with the U.S. women's national team. We've got Liga Mekis all-star roster ahead of their clash with the MLS all-stars. Some big names omitted from that list. We will get to that, but let's start with some more big news, Hercules Gomez, out of Mexican soccer. As reported by Cesar Caballero, sources confirming to ESPN that in recent days, Tata Martino and Chicharito Hernandez have had yet another phone conversation about a possible return to the national team for Chicharito. However, those same sources also claiming Martino will not be bringing Hernandez back and that the manager has already settled on his strikers for Qatar. They'll be Raul Jimenez, Rogelio Funes Mori, Santiago Jimenez and Henry Martin as an injury standby. All right, there's lots to unpack there. To help us unpack it all, let's bring in our good friend and colleague, Mauricio Pedrosa. Now, man, you have been everywhere. Espies, Mexico. I think you're going to Green Bay next. Where, where are you right now? I am at home in L.A. for a few minutes before <laughs> I get to pack and then drive to the airport because, indeed, I'm traveling for the first time to Green Bay to call Manchester City, Bayern Munich, and ESPN Deportes. Wow, Manchester City, Bayern Munich, and of course we know Manchester City coming in hot after their victory over Club América. All right, let's get to the questions oh, yeah. at hand here. Uh, Mao, will Tata Martino, do you think, ultimately come to regret his handling of this Chicharito situation? You know what? Surprisingly, I don't think he will regret it because all this drama that we've been, been a part of as storytellers for the past two years, if we go to specific on the field, I don't think he will regret it because in any ways, Raul Jimenez was going to be or will be the starter for the Mexican national team in the World Cup. And the second option, even if Chicharito would have been a part of the team, probably that place... Uh, would go to Rogelio Funes Mori. So I think he will regret the way things exploded in the end. I believe he never thought this issue was going to get this big. But if we go to recent production, there's nothing for Chicharito to show for. He's, this season, he scores a goal for every 211 minutes he's on the field. He has scored twice in the last 13 league games with the LA Galaxy. So it's not that we're going to miss out on the next Erling Haaland or on the next Cristiano Ronaldo. What do I know? So in the end, I think there'll be no regrets for Tata Martino. 
Ah, he means he's making this really easy. Of course he's mm. going to regret this. You just named the field. You just said Raul Jimenez, Penaldo Jimenez. He's only scoring on penalty kicks these days. He's not been the same player. He's not been the same player <laughs> since that unfortunate incident with David Luis. It's a reality, okay, with club or country. You just named, by the way, Rogelio Funes Mori coming off an injury. And the fans, the pundits do not like him. He's on a short leash. And you name Santiago Jimenez, who's got people excited because he scored three goals. And Henry Martin as a backup, as a in-case-somebody-is-injured type of striker. Of course he will regret it because of the field. The field is so poor. And you, you mm. mentioned the productivity for Javier Hernandez. I'm glad you brought that up. The Galaxy don't generate enough opportunities for him. He's not going to be a player that creates for himself. He depends on service. When he has said service, he feasts, he eats, he scores goals. The Galaxy isn't doing Her, that right now. That's, that's, that's the Her, big on. difference. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. Because with Mexico, I mean, it's, it's not. No, no, because no, 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 Mexico, because it's very easy. Goals. It's very easy with to Mexico, blame the others. Goals. It's that's very easy to blame the system. He hasn't been good. Let's just admit it. He hasn't been great. He has to be the striker that Galaxy is waiting for. Don't Scored come with the, goals with, the, with, the, with the fact that the team is not good enough. Scored he 17 has to be goals great. last year. What do you mean? And the limited time he's had not this year, enough. he's already got eight. Talk to me about the field. Talk to me about the field, Mal. How is the field good? How so is are you saying, are you saying How is Santi Jimenez would, an upgrade? Are you How saying is Henry that right Martin now, the hold guy? Hold on, hold on. Hold on. Are you saying that right now you would start Javier Hernandez before Raul Jimenez and before Rogelio Funes Mori? I don't know what Raul Jimenez is still doing there as a starter. I can't believe uh, he's gotten this much time doing what he's done, being that productive, simple. that productive, and he's still the de facto starter. Now, if you don't think taking this team to the World Cup and laying an egg is going to make him not regret or think twice about why didn't I bring in somebody who could actually put the ball in the back of the net, I don't know what to say. That's it. That's it. It comes down to the results, right? This is black and white for me. If they survive the group phase and some of these forwards score, especially if some of these forwards score, nobody will be lamenting the fact that Chicharito Hernandez wasn't there. It's a little bit like the Mexican, Mexican women's national team. Monica Vergara decides to leave off Charlene Corral, and then you know when the forwards don't score and you go out of the tournament yeah, in pathetic but fashion. but Cervantes was scoring goals. Academy Killers are proven goal scorer. There's a difference between the field and, and she the wasn't women's even national team. For There's, a There's a difference there. Yes, of course there's a difference, but the bottom line is it's an unnecessary risk, right? He's opening himself up to criticism. I think regret also ultimately comes down to whether he cares or not, which we will discuss, I think, a little bit later on. Yeah. Let's talk about the guys then that, that we do know, because that was the other big part of this report. It seems to confirm that the forwards will be Raul Jimenez, Santiago Jimenez, Rogelio Funes Mori, and Henry Martin as an injury standby kind of fourth alternate option. Now, on a scale of 1 to 10 then, how much confidence do you have in those forwards to produce in Qatar? <laughs> uh, five or six. If I'm in generous, a six. It's just such a shame that Nico Ibanez or Germán Berterame, they don't have their Mexican passports yet. Mm. They're not going to be there on time because they have been amazing in, the, in Liga MX. But, I mean, it's two separate conversations. Is one Javier Hernandez conversation, and then yes, the fact that the number one is an issue for the Mexican national team. Why is Raul Jimenez still there? Because arguably, he's still the best number nine around. His form is not great. And I don't know if it's going to get any better in three months before the World mm. Cup. Rogelio Funes Mori, he already played with the Mexican national team. Let's, let, let's leave the injuries aside. 
when he was healthy, he played last summer, and he was probably the, the most criticized player during that crazy bad summer for the Mexican national team. And please do not get me started on Santiago Jimenez because earlier today on Ahora o Nunca, I made a promise that I might regret. I said that if Santiago Jimenez starts for the Mexican national team a game at the World Cup, I will get a tattoo that says El Bebote on my left arm. That's, that's how, how confident I am that he won't start a game for the Mexican national team. That's about the only player that gets me excited for the Mexican national team when you're talking about the nines. I actually think he's heating up at the right time. It is a problem. But I actually think he's heating up at the right time, and that's the only hope. And that's why, going back to Chicharito, I would say Tata Martino, if he did care, may regret it. But that's neither here nor there anymore. Herc, I asked asked Mal on a scale of 1 to 10 his confidence. Uh, Who are you more confident in, the nines for the U.S. or the nines for Mexico, if you look at that list, now that we kind of know it for Hmm. Mexico based on this report? Uh, I would say the nines for the U.S. Ooh, wow, okay. Interesting. Because you could see at least they may not be as good as some of the other nines. I'm talking about Raul um, Jimenez, uh, but he's putting the ball in the back of the net at least. Yeah, I got to say, I'm surprised Mal gave him a five or a six. I, I, I give a zero in terms of confidence that, that these nines not will play well, but yeah, will well. score. Raul Jimenez, I, have, I don't know how you can have confidence that he's going to score. Rogelio Funes Mori couldn't really score, couldn't get it done in CONCACAF. I don't know how we have any confidence. If I'm, I'm kind of with Herc here. I'm most optimistic, probably because it's the smallest sample size, that a guy like Santiago Jimenez could score, could get hot and maybe get score hot. at the World Cup, or that Henry Martin, who in, in fewer minutes has, has scored some big I, goals for Mexico. So though, the guys who are least likely to play are the guys I have the most confidence in, Mao. Yeah, I, I mean, I don't even want to bring Henry Martin to the conversation because he doesn't even start for America. So yeah. I don't know he why against he's Manchester still City, being your beloved Manchester even City. He scored last night. Yes, even though he scored, great control, finish was not great. But here's my point why I'm giving him five and six, not a zero like you. And I'm going to say this real quick. That is the exact same amount I have of confidence that I have in the entire Mexican national team. <laughs> this is maybe just an act of faith that I believe. Come November, Raul Jimenez will be in better shape, better form, and he will deliver as we all expect. Uh, our, our producer just pointed out in my ear that with Mexico's long history of penalty frustration, Raul Jimenez is a very good player oh, to have, have on the team. Oh, have him take all so, five of the penalty kicks. That'd be great. Yes. <laughs> we will, we'll leave that there for now. There was another big headline this week uh, for Tata Martino, who was down in Argentina, guys. I don't know if, if you caught this. I'm sure you did. He was spotted in Argentina watching a Newell's <laughs> versus racing game where he was photographed with Argentina manager Lionel Scaloni. Uh, those two, of course, will face off in the group phase at the World Cup. It set off quite a reaction from the Mexican press, many of whom thought Tata should be in Mexico watching Liga Mekis or, or something. Uh, Mao, is this something, nothing, or everything? This is everything because it just proves the point that I've been making on Football Americas for the last year and a half. Gerardo Martino doesn't really care what happens with the Mexican national mm. team. He's making a lot of this, well, the, the real ones, these are fake, of course, but he's making a lot of money, and that's the only reason why he's still a part of this team. He, he, he doesn't like Mexican soccer. He has had enough of the media coverage around him, and this just comes to prove once again that he cannot wait for the World Cup to be over so he can go back to Argentina and do his thing. And I hated the fact 
that the Mexican national team Twitter account tried to fool us by posting, hey, all of his assistants are actually at the games. We're not paying all that money to his assistants. We're paying all of that money to Gerardo Martino. That's why he has to be here. And I know some of the pundits and experts like her keep saying, well, with technology, you can really be up to date. We all cover soccer. We all know it's not the same thing to break down a game when you actually are at the stadium than when you're watching on a screen. So it's just a disgrace that he, it's not only that he doesn't care anymore, he doesn't care that we know that he doesn't care. So just comes to prove again my point from a year and a half ago that he wants to leave as soon as he can. Perfect mm. case study right here. Mauricio Pedrosa, the Mexican public, the Mexican pundit. It is everything for them. It may be nothing for Tata Martino because let's face it, it could be nothing if Mexico was coasting through World Cup qualifying. They qualified first if goal scoring wasn't an issue, if the today confidence in the national team wasn't in question. But because it is in question, but because it is an issue, but because they have struggled so much, because they had a horrendous summer where they lost multiple finals, couldn't beat the U.S. or Canada, this is everything. He has to realize where he is. He has to realize how much of a bad look this is just in general, because this is really a non-issue. I maintain with the platforms you have today to scout, you should already know who you want to take, et cetera. You can pick up the phone, talk to a coach. No big deal. But it's a situation. It's everything surrounding the Mexican national team that makes this look bad. Read the room. Read the room, I think uh, Hercules Gomez once said on this show. I feel, yeah. I feel like this is Tata Martino's both failure to read the room, and at this point I'm kind of with you, Mal. I don't know that he cares to read the room anymore when it comes to the Mexican yeah. press or really the Mexican public. The other note I think I have down here is that it's all about the timing, right? This comes out the same week that reports come out that he's going to leave Mexico after this World Cup. He's got his next destination chosen. And some of the reports were Boca. Some of those reports then later shot down. But uh, it just seems like he's got one foot kind of already out the door when it comes to Mexican soccer and the Mexican national team. All right, one more topic, guys. One more topic I want to get to here. Uh, and that is a transfer move of very, very important significance ahead of the World Cup. Marcelo Flores has completed a loan move from Arsenal to Real Oviedo in the second division of Spanish soccer. This happens with four months to go for the World Cup. The 18-year-old clearly trying to get some minutes. Mal, what do you think? Will this help? or hurt Marcelo Flores' World Cup chances? Unfortunately, this helps his chances of making the World Cup roster. Here's why. Let me explain myself. This is all on Tata Martino. His narrative of the past couple of months when he, I was going to say implied, but he was very straightforward when he said, if you want to go to the World Cup, I'm not talking about Marcelo Flores, every other player, if you want to make the roster you have to play. You have to get minutes. So in Marcelo Flores and his team head, right, they're going, if we stay at Arsenal under 23, which, by the way, is a great place to be when you're developing as a player, but if they want to go to the World Cup, in their head, they're like, we got to move. We got to go somewhere else. There's a connection with Real Oviedo, Marcelo Flores' dad, and Jesus Martinez, Jesus Martinez, Pachuca owner, is now the owner of Real Oviedo. So this all looks like they are doing Marcelo uh, Flores a favor 
of going to the second division in Spain so that Tata Martino has now no excuse for not calling him up. But this is a disgrace because part of his development was still trying to be great at the under-23 level and maybe, maybe get some minutes with Arsenal's first team. This kills his chances. What's Tata Martino, what do he always say? He needs to be playing first team football. I'm sorry, second division is not first team football. Yes, it actually, it's, it's, no, it's, it's not definitely first, first team football. It it's way closer team. to first no. team football than the U23s. Hold on, hold on, listen, listen, listen. First division football. Seb, you and I were arguing about this in the production, it wasn't even a production meeting. It was, I don't know what it was the other day. And you put it perfectly, okay? I'm going to quote you, okay? Right now, Marcelo Flores needs a hammer to make it to the World Cup. If he ever had any chance of going to the World Cup, it needed to be a hammer. This is a feather. He needs to go to the World Cup by playing significant minutes somewhere of significance. If he was playing at the U23s and all of a sudden getting first team action and training session and by any chance or measure uh, imagination a cup game and then from there an actual premier league game whatever the case may be and he did something the pressure would be so immense the pressure would grow and it'd be drumming and drumming by the fans and the puns get him on get him on get him on but that's not the case he's going to second division now this may be better for his development because it could be a case where hey do you remember those few years he spent at Real Oviedo how great that was for his development he really became a better footballer like we could say that down the line but nowhere nowhere will we say down the line hey do you remember when to Real Oviedo and made it to the World Cup team by playing second division Spain that's not going to happen mm. you're not acknowledging how far he is realistically from minutes at Arsenal he was left off the Mexico U-20 team that just failed to qualify for everything under the sun so that he could be with Arsenal for preseason. And even with is, that fact, Arsenal said, you know what? Is that not funny to you? Is that not suspicious? Do you not think something happened there? Like, think about that for a second. Well, I think it tells us exactly how no. far away he is from these magical first-team minutes that you're talking about that are going to put him so in the radar of Tata Martino. So they keep him from Tata playing Martino. the U-20 tournament? He, dude, he's not getting called into the Arsenal first team now. So you're talking about he's, got, he's not in the preseason. So from not being in the preseason, you think in the next four months at Arsenal, there's more than a 0.01% chance that he's going to get him not to that be there. You guys talk for seven minutes. Can I get 30 to seconds? Me, that he's gonna... Go ahead. Go ahead, Mal. No, no, no. Step. Go on, go on, go on, go on, go on. Uh, it's just it's it's a fantasy that you guys think he's going to get minutes at Arsenal right now. There are like two FA Cup games potentially between now and when the World Cup training would begin. He's not going to get those minutes. He has to go from being outside of the preseason through the U23s into the first team and then get minutes on the first team? No way. So he has a 0% chance to play at Arsenal, he, which means 0% chance to, to the impress World Tata Martino. He's going to have a chance to play at Oviedo, which means the there's World at Cup. least some chance to impress Tata Martino. Is, Is he going crazy, to the Mal? World Cup? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I, 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 I agree with that. I just want to say two Why quick things. answer the question? Number one, number one, you guys are putting a lot of pressure <laughs> on this young kid's shoulder. Because when, when I say that I want him to be a part to play in a of World the World Cup. Cup roster, I say roster. I don't want him to start. Maybe I don't even want him to play any minutes in the World Cup. But I want him to be a part of that experience. That's number one. Number two, I already made a promise regarding Santiago Jimenez and the tattoo. I want her to commit that if Marcelo Flores is called up to the World Cup, 
he will get a tattoo of a flower <laughs> bouquet in reciprocity of what I already yeah. offered me, on the air on Football Americas right now. Let me ask you a question, okay? Diego Lainez plays no minutes leading up to the World Cup, but Marcelo Flores plays all the minutes with Real Oviedo leading up to the World Cup. Who goes to the World Cup? Diego Lainez goes Both. to the World Cup because he already has a track record Both. with the Mexican uh, national team. Okay. If you're, if, you're, if you're telling me uh, I can I mean, only choose between one, okay. but now you say both. Yeah, I say both. Okay. I say both. And is Herc getting guess, that tattoo guess, or not? I guess second division Spain Yeah, I, I saw that change of direction really there from Hercules. We, what's up with the tat, Herc? Well, is can Herc we get getting you to commit the tattoo to that? or not? Yeah, Compromete. I mean, yeah, I guess if that's what you want to do, that's fine. I mean, <laughs> I, I just don't see, like, this is crazy to me that you guys think, like, this could be, listen, this is great for his development down the road. Yes, because he's going to play. Yes. But this is not the move to make waves, to make Tata Martino be like, oh, wait a second. Maybe, maybe I, I should call him up. Look at him tearing up the second division in Spain. Because hmm. the second division in Spain is crazy good, and we should be sending everybody down there. Like, like you, you hey, said you can watch second division. You, you can watch Spain second division on ESPN Plus, by the way. Yeah, okay. You so said you said you get to watch Marcelo listen, Flores every, you said the U23s, every other weekend. The U23s in the Premier League were a higher level than Liga Mekis. So you said, okay? Yeah. Okay, is it yeah. a higher level than yeah. Spanish second division? Uh, I don't think there's a massive <laughs> difference. No. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I, I cannot. I don't think no. there's a massive difference. Uh, no. Her Hercules, you're, you're the person who's, you're the only one on this set that's played professional soccer. Uh, you're going to tell me playing with kids? You're going to tell me playing U23 is the same as playing for a spot hey, in the best league in the world? Talk to him, not me. I didn't say it. Talk to him. Nah, please, please. I mean, do, please. do you know, do you know the youth, si do you know Arsenal's youth system? Do we know the level, the competitivity it's at Man City, Chelsea, Man United? Those I, games oh, are please, awesome. Those matches please. are great. No, 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 no. I, I think we have to say the second division in Spain is much more competitive. There's much more at stake for, for, for those guys more. than for anybody it's in the more, under 23. Go to the next Gap one. Is. Go to the next one. Talking about tattoos. Okay. And... There is no next one, Hercules uh, Gomez, but I will wait on that tattoo. It sounds like we might be both getting some ink here uh, yeah. on Football Americas. Yeah. Mao, uh, great to have you on the show. Uh, always a pleasure. Safe travels to Green Bay for Bayern Munich and Manchester City. My man, you are everywhere. Congratulations on all the success. We love having you here on the show. Mis amigos, love you. Love you to death. See you next time. There he is, Mauricio Pedrosa. All's well that ends well. We might yell at each other, but we love each other uh, in the end. Let's run it back preseason style. You said it. Uh, Penaldo Jimenez, is that what you called him? That's what the producer called him. One of the producers called him. I mean, uh, you know what? It, it, it's terrible, too, because he was such a good player before that injury. He was, like, at an all-time high. His name was being circulated with some of the biggest clubs in the world, amongst the biggest players in the world. Uh, and now, he's good at PKs, as the producer says. Yep, there it is. He gets a goal for Wolves in their preseason match over Alaves. They ended up winning that one 4-0. They'll play again this Saturday against Besiktas. So you can watch that one right here on ESPN+. Plus. Coverage starts at 12.55 p.m. Eastern Time. Another shot to see Raul Jimenez in preseason for Wolves. This podcast is proud to be supported by Jets Pizza, the number one pick in Detroit-style pizza. Why? It's simple. Jets is better. With the thickest, crispiest, cheesiest Detroit-style pizza in the country, there's no competition. Right now, get $5 off any eight-corner pizza with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. 
Go to jetspizza.com to learn more and find a location near you. Again, try Jets' signature eight-corner pizza and get $5 off with code 8SAVE. That's the number eight, S-A-V-E. Jets Pizza. Better because it has to be. We all know breakfast is an important part of your day. But sometimes when you're traveling for business, you end up staying at a hotel that doesn't offer any. You know what happens? You grab a cup of coffee and skip the meal entirely. We've all been there. But if you book a room at La Quinta by Wyndham, you can enjoy their free bright side breakfast featuring delicious baked goods, fruit, eggs, yogurt, and waffles. And really, who doesn't want to start their day with a fresh, hot waffle? Tonight, La Quinta, tomorrow you shine. Book direct at LQ.com. All right, Herc, it is international friendly season. Last night, Charlotte FC against Chelsea. They had almost 75,000 in attendance, and they got to see Christian Pulisic score. There we go. Back on the scoreboard. He'll take it. Good little control, then a little chip. Goalkeeper going the other way. Empty net. Always good to score. Always good to score. one nothing Chelsea to late. 90th minute. Brian Romero off the bench. The youngster making things happen. Erky's drawing a penalty. It's a good little run. Player goes down, hits him in the hand. Look at that. Look at that hair. That's not a natural position. We're going to the spot. Absolutely. Chalo by there, the guilty party for Chelsea. So Daniel Rios steps up and converts one to one, Hurt. What drama. Danny Rios, the ex Liga Mekis product, ex Nashville. 1 1 Chelsea. What do we go to penalty kicks? Okay. We do. We go straight to penalty kicks where Charlotte. Gets off to a pretty good start there. I, I think the big story, though, Herc, of this penalty oh, shootout no. is Connor Gallagher doing whatever that was. Oh, no. Like, if you're going to try Panenka or Panelka or whatever we want to call it, whatever you want to do, you got to make it. Yes, we're not going to call it a Panelka, that's sure. We're yeah. going to call it a Panenka. Panenka, thank you. <laughs> I don't know. What, I was going to say Anelka, but I was like, this is former uh, player. Charlotte then winning in penalties 5-3 over Chelsea. What a night. For Major League Soccer elsewhere, the Adrian Heath Bowl, they're calling it. Minnesota United against Everton, where, of course, uh, Heath played. How about this scoreline, Hurt? Minnesota winning not one, not two, not three, but four nothing. It was three nothing in the first half, dude. It's Jordan Pickford getting scored on, too. It's not like there's just anybody in that. It's not like anybody's being trotted out there. This is a Premier League team. That just blows my mind. Premier League team, and from what I understand, about the best Premier League team that this squad could field. I got a buddy who's an Everton fan. He said, they're not very good, but it's the best we got. Uh, so I think there's some panic right now amongst Everton fans, but how about that for Minnesota United? Four nothing winners over a Premier League team. Herc, it begs the question after two results in one night, is Major League Soccer catching up to the Premier League? Why, why are you the way you are? Why would you even ask me that? There's a lot to unpack there. Stop. Stop. Like, the best Major League Soccer team in a real Premier League season would get relegated. Would be a relegation guarantee. There are no, there's no question about that. You're talking about a salary cap league. A team that's handcuffed by its own rules and regulation against some of the best in the world, some of the best free spenders in the world. I don't care how bad Everton were. It's mm-hmm. preseason. They're getting their season started. Some of these guys haven't even played a game yet. They're barely trying to accumulate fitness. They're playing in summertime in Major League Soccer in the States where there can be some brutal temperatures. 
They're not used to these temperatures against opponents that are already mid-season in form that are playing like it's the World Cup because they've got the Premier League players in front of them. You're going to have all of a sudden maybe a scoreline or two like this. It sucks okay, for so Everton. You... It's terrible. But the best Major League Soccer team would get relegated every okay. year in the Premier so League. Even your beloved Seattle Sounders, Hercules Gomez, is saying well, would Seattle be relegated today, from the yeah, Premier twice, League. maybe. Let, let me ask you this. Do you think the best MLS team would even survive the championship? You're so down on MLS these days. Yeah, I think that's about a closer level right there. I do. Mm. And listen, I, mm. think, I think the championship's a very good level. But there are, definitely, there are definitely MLS teams that I think could be in or around uh, safe put, if you will, uh, mid-table, even higher depending on what kind of tournament you wanted to do. But listen, it, it's very difficult environment. But we're talking Premier League. There's no chance. Yes, even by my standards, Herc, uh, I will admit that this is a stretch. MLS is definitely improving and catching up to whatever the top global standard is. I don't think we can say they're catching up no, to the Premier League yeah. with any seriousness, though. They might be catching up to Everton, huh? I, I, I know it's no. just preseason. I know it's hot. But uh, I, don't, I don't think the Everton team looks very good, and I don't think there's a lot of confidence Frank among Lampard, Everton fans. Frank Lampard, you're welcome. That, that lesson not, was not free. Just not just based off kind of what they've not done in the summer transfer window, but also based on, on that result last night where they lose 4 nothing to an MLS Seth, team. So we've – yes, go quickly, quickly. Very, very quickly. The highest number you could think an MLS team would spend, the team that gets relegated in the Premier League will have a higher parachute payment than that. Mm, right, right. Different levels, right? Niveles. Okay. All right, so we have MLS versus the Premier League. What about Liga MX versus the Premier League, right? Because we had Manchester City and Club America squaring it off at NRG Stadium last night where Kevin De Bruyne put on a show. A freaking show, Herc. He's at a freaking show. <laughs> a 10. Give him a 10. Look at that. I mean, it was, it was something special. What was not special in this game was the field. Uh, they laid down grass over the turf. I think the, the city staff was not very thrilled about it. And three fans thrilled about this. Henry Martin scoring against Manchester City. Start him on the national team. Yeah, Mouse said it. Fantastic control. He said the finish wasn't very good, but I saw it go in, so that, that didn't matter. Maybe fortuitous right there. Maybe it went his way, but it's a good finish. It's 1-1. Yeah, worth noting Manchester City without uh, big center backs. So maybe that goal easier than it would have been against the, the full Manchester City team. Another great goal here. How about the pass from Mares to De Bruyne? Yeah, that pass is just filthy. Uh, America, too, uh, subbing out some players. Memo Cho only played about 30 minutes. His standard, I'll come out. I, it's in my contract. I wave, I smile, I get out of the game. Uh, but this was City in the second half. Competitive first half, but City in the second. So City then uh, goes on to win this game by a final score of 2-1. to one. The headlines from this game, though, actually came before the match, Herc. Pep Guardiola confusing Club America and Chivas. What? suerte que estuve a hacer un clausura aquí en México y descubrí que América es especial por jugar todos los Juegos Mexicanos. All right, Herc. What do we think of that? Has Pep Guardiola insulted not just América, not just Chivas, but indeed all of Mexican soccer here with these comments. He, he has. And in general, the, the Man City has insulted a little bit of Mexican soccer. But let's concentrate on, on Pep Guardiola right here. Let's give people some context. You're like, so what? He confused the two teams. It doesn't matter. It does matter. Okay? Not only are they two teams you confuse, but it's not just any two teams. The two mm -hmm. biggest clubs in all Mexican football. And one 
happens to only play with Mexican players. And the other half happens to be its biggest rival. And you can say, well, what does Pep know about Mexican soccer? You couldn't, shouldn't put that on him. Pep played in Liga MX. Pep actually played in Liga MX. So to come to Liga MX and not know that the two biggest clubs are America and Chivas, and that one of those two clubs plays with only Mexicans and it's Chivas. I, I almost feel like he was trying to do it. Like at least you could say, well, you know, that makes sense. But to say like you forgot it, that, that it's almost insulting in itself. Shows you how consequential, I guess, Mexican soccer is in his mind. Yeah, I mean, to your point, he ends his career at Dorados, right? So it's hard to believe that anybody who was working in the world of Mexican football would have been able to go through that experience and not have it register like deeply in their mind, especially a guy like Pep, who we know pays attention to everything, that Chivas is specifically known. Their whole brand is built around the idea that they only play with Mexicans. And the other point is America is totally known as the team that goes out with a big, splashy foreign signing, right? So it would be like, it's confusing, I think, like Celtic and Rangers for somebody who didn't really follow Scottish football. You would forgive them if they hadn't played a year for Hearts in Scotland. Exactly. But this guy literally played in Mexico, and, and I actually thought it was the total opposite. You say he might have intended to do it. I wanted to give him the benefit of the doubt. Ah, this guy's just been flying all around. He got his wires crossed. He meant to say Chivas. You think, actually, it was more just like he doesn't he didn't care that much about Mexican soccer to even remember? Yeah. I think that's the case because, listen, if you go play in La Liga for a year, you're going to know what team plays with only Spanish players. And they're not even a famous team worldwide, but you're going to know what team plays with Spanish players. He, he should know, but didn't care enough to remember because maybe he doesn't see enough Mexican soccer. Maybe it's been so far down memory lane, so far down his mind, he doesn't care. Well, look, he got a good look at some good Mexican soccer last night because he got to go up against Club America. Let's run it back from this game because our, our production team found some high-level highlights uh, from this game between America and Manchester City. Yeah, let, uh, let me see what they are here. Ah, okay. First of all, this is uh, Sendejas, former U.S. Youth International. Is that, with the that, cutback. Oh, Kevin. Oh, Kevin, close them legs. How about this bit of techers from Pidalgo? Eh. Eh. Not impressed? No, that was good. That was good. Good little techers. And he, and, a he sprung, and he sprung a little faster. This was... Okay, Oy. come from on, the youngster. From, from the youngster. Like, he may not that'll look like you. a youngster. Nah, that'll get you some radars. There's Memo Choa. Didn't hardly break a sweat. Uh, just 30 minutes of action. Yeah, must be something in the contract, right? We got to play him on this tour. Hey, we mentioned Mauricio Pedrosa just about to jump on a flight to Wisconsin. Why is he going to Lambeau Field? Historic. First ever soccer game at Lambeau. Bayern Munich against Manchester City. Coverage Saturday, 6.30 p.m. Eastern Time on ESPN, ESPN Plus, and ESPN Deportes. Hi, it's Mike Greenberg letting you know ESPN Bet is ready to take you through all the biggest sports moments this spring. The official sportsbook of ESPN has exclusive offers and markets from Scott Van Pelt, Stephen A. Smith, and me, plus many more. From the playoff intensity to finally getting out to the ballpark, there's no better time for sports fans. Sign up today. New users get a bet reset up to $1,000 in bonus bets if your first bet doesn't win. Download ESPN Bet today. What a play. Must be 21 plus and present in select states. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Terms and conditions apply. See app for details. Smith turns. Smith looking for it. Alex Morgan, the chest wide. The left side for the Prince. Trying to cut back to that right foot and she takes another chance. Pugh all the way into the area. Pugh, go 
goodness, heck has Lavelle goes down in the box! And a penalty coming up for the United States! Morgan breaks the tie! Alex Morgan with her third goal of the tournament! United States beats Canada for its ninth CONCACAF W Championship! Joining us now on Football Americas, the newly minted champion of CONCACAF and the pride of Monrovia, California, Ashley Sanchez. Ashley, welcome to the show. Hi, nice to see you guys. Do you have some, uh, some bling you can show us, some proof of your efforts in Monterey around there, perchance? <laughs> yes, I do. Oh, there we go. <laughs> Look at that. All right, so let's get Pretty into Pretty heavy, the, uh, too. It, it looks yeah, heavy. I bet. <laughs> Let's get into the experience down in, in Monterey. What does it mean for you to be a CONCACAF champion at the senior level, right? Because you've had a lot of success in CONCACAF at the youth national team level, but now you've done it at the very top. I mean, it's awesome. I think, you know, when you're younger, this is something that you always dream about, and to be able to do it has just been surreal. It's your first major tournament with the senior team. I wonder kind of what that experience was like and if you could compare the intensity of these games to maybe some of the other games that you played in your career. What was that step up like? I mean, obviously, the competition's a lot harder um, and every game's competitive. Um, you know, sometimes with the youth teams, we were winning 8-11-0 and, you know, each game um, for uh, this tournament was, was difficult and it brought a new challenge and you had to come ready every single game, which was definitely <laughs> different for me. Ashley, let's talk about the experience of Monterrey in, in general, the tournament. What was the experience like, the atmosphere in the stadiums, uh, the food, the crowds? Tell us about that. Um, it was awesome. We, play, or we stayed in a really nice hotel that had a bunch of stuff around. Um, so we were able to do a lot of things throughout the day. Um, and we were training in the middle of the day which was really different for us. But um, yeah, it was a really good experience. And obviously playing against Mexico in Mexico was um, incredible and the atmosphere was unreal. So it was really, really great experience. You know, before the tournament started, we had Vlaco here on the show and he told Sebi about the importance of Megan Rapino being there, sort of in a mentorship role, a leadership role, if you will. Well, you as a young player, how did that impact you having her kind of in that role, what did you get from it? Um, it was awesome, you know, during trends like this, you don't expect older players to be giving you so much feedback. You know, they're trying to get prepared for games and stuff too, but it was really nice that all of us were able to go to her and, you know, she stepped up in such big moments and big tournaments. So it was really great to get advice from her. And, you know, obviously on the field, it gives you a little confidence um, knowing that she's been there, done that before. So um, yeah, it was really great. Ashley, let's talk about your role on this team, which I feel like is growing. I'll kind of put my hand up here. I'm a Washington Spirit fan, so I'm always used to seeing you in the starting 11 uh, in the National Women's Soccer League. It's a little bit different role right now with the U.S. I think Vlad Goyanovsky used the word spark to describe you coming off the bench. How do you feel in that kind of super sub role, and how is it different from what you do at the club level? Um, yeah, it's definitely different. I think I'm just happy to get any minutes I can, and... When I do come off the bench, I want to obviously bring as much energy and attacking threats as I can. But honestly, I'm just trying to learn as much as I can and get these minutes and just become more of a regular. And hopefully, you know, with time, I could 
get into the starting role and, you know, but right now I'm just focusing on, you know, getting my, my time on the field. All right, so that's your role. What about your position? Because I see you, and to me, you look almost like something that's kind of seems like it's going out of style in modern soccer. There, there's some elements of classic number 10 to your game. I wonder kind of where that comes from. Is there anybody you model your game after? I mean, I think a lot of people would say they model after Messi, but uh, yeah, I've always watched him and admired him, and obviously. <laughs> You know, I'm never going to be him, but uh, I definitely modeled my game after him, for sure. You see yourself as a true number 10 then? Yeah. Yeah, I would say so. Um, growing up, I always was in the 10 role, but, um, you know, with some coaches, I went into a forward role, and I, I'm really glad to be back in a 10 role with my club team and with the national team because it's definitely my, my favorite spot on the field. Ashley, you're one of the few Latinas in really any edition of the U.S. Women's National Team that we have seen, uh, past or present. Uh, what does that mean to you? Um, honestly, it means so much to me, and me and so forth to talk about it all the time. And we're just like, we love that we're being able to represent, even though there's just two of us, and hopefully, you know, more people come after us, and it's um, you know, my grandma talks about it all the time. She just loves it. So, yeah, it's awesome. So at the senior level, you got to represent the U.S. women's national team versus Mexico in a tournament mm. in Mexico, in a very important city like Monterrey, in a very prestigious tournament. What was that experience like for you? Your father's from Jalisco. You have those roots. Tell me about that experience of facing Mexico. Um, it was awesome. I mean, it was everything I thought it would be. And it's tough because, obviously, the Mexico fans are going against us, but you know, after the game, like there were still people cheering for me and that was really cool. There was a really cool moment after that match too with one of your former college <laughs> teammates. Like it's such a small world, isn't it? You, you have players that you played with in college. Now you're playing against them at the senior international level. Uh, it's really must be an amazing experience when you get to play that rivalry game, but also seemingly be so connected to, to both sides, yeah? Yeah, it definitely was hard because I, you know, I wanted my team to do well. Uh, but in the back of my head, you know, you're still like, I want my friends' teams to do well. And I want, you know, Mexico to succeed and go into a, a World Cup, too. So that was tough for sure. I, OK, so go ahead. Her. No, I was just kind of curious while we're still on this subject of, of Mexico, of your overall impressions of Liga Mekis on the, on the feminine side and what you've seen from that, because we see the crazy amount of fan support in the stadiums and, and kind of how it's getting noticed more and more every week. I'm just curious your take on that and what you see on the other side of that border. Yeah, I think the leagues are just growing so much in every country, but especially Mexico. Um, you know, you see so many fans on the men's side and to be able to go to a game and play in a game that there was that many fans, you know, obviously they're cheering against us, but just to know that there's that many people that care um, was really, really incredible. We got Liga Mekis versus MLS All-Stars. Did Herc just have a great idea? Now we're going to have NWSL versus Liga <laughs> Mekis uh, Femenil All-Stars. I, I like that one. We'll send that yeah. one into the, into the commissioner. Maybe they, maybe they can go something with that. I, I mentioned before, <laughs> Ashley, I'm a huge Washington Spirit fan, so I see a lot of you and Trinity Rodman, but I don't just see it on the field. I see it like 
all over your respective social medias. You guys really are besties. Um, is it overstating it to be like, because you guys get along so well seemingly off the field, that that translates to, as a fan, what I see is just incredible chemistry on the field? Um, I mean, definitely. Um, we see each other every single day and we both moved and we were like, oh, we're going to be in the same apartment complex, but not like live together. So, um, you know, we're both getting dogs within the next week. I don't know. We just, we didn't get super close right away, which is funny because people thought we knew each other before. Um, but after like a month, we hung out one time and we kind of started hanging out every day after that. So Wait a second. Pretty funny. You're both getting, multi so there's going to be two different dogs. You both are going to have your own dog. Is that what you're talking <laughs> yeah. Whose idea was this? <laughs> well, I've been wanting a dog and then I was like, you know what? I'm just going to do it. And then Trin was like, should I get one? I was like, yeah. And then she got one. <laughs> so what do we, what do we decide? What kind of dog did we decide here? Um, I got a French bulldog and she Ooh. got a Yorkie. Oh, beautiful. Yeah. So beautiful. Look at her. Dogs. Yeah. Asking the very serious pressing questions yeah. here on Football America. What a kind of I have dog a Yorkie, is it? So it, it was a pressing matter. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Absolutely. And by the way, clear to see that Ashley was the trendsetter there, right? She was the one who said, uh, I'm going to get the dog first. Look, we saw actually a lot of the interaction between you and Trinity happens um, on TikTok. So you, you guys are, are the stars of TikTok, maybe of the younger generation on the U.S. women's national team. But one of the veterans of the U.S. women's national team, I think, has had the best TikTok of the last week. I want to get your thoughts on it, but first let's have production roll it. This is from Alex Morgan, and it was clearly, clearly well-rehearsed and perfectly executed. Everybody wants to know what I would do if I didn't win. I guess we'll never know. <laughs> wow. All right. So is, is Alex Morgan now the reigning TikTok queen of the U.S. Women's National Team, Ashley? I think she won up, y'all. I'm sorry. Yeah. No, that was that was a very good TikTok. And it's kind of funny because a girl in Canada had done that. I shouldn't probably say this on the girl. No, you can say it. You can say it. You had, already went down there. <laughs> yeah. Had, had done that TikTok um, during the Olympics. So oh, not just saying it was... It, it was wasn't just a jab, but it was. <laughs> was this dedicated at said girl? <laughs> it sounds like there was a little bit of the tea, a little bit of the sipping of the tea, which we know uh, Alex is more. Alex Morgan is nice. great at. Um, all right, Ashley, yeah. man, great stuff. We got to the bottom of some very critical things there. One, what was behind that TikTok, and two, what kind of dog will it be for? Not but just Ashley Sanchez, but Trinity. You Rodman. missed the biggest These questions are, here. What's that? What's that, Herc? The dogs' names. I know there's something uh, behind the. I want to know the dogs' names before we go. Mm -hmm. <laughs> I haven't chosen a name yet because I'm hoping that when I see her, I'll know. Because there's just so many names in my head and. So many people have opinions, like Emily Sonnet will not get out of my ear about naming her Cholula. <laughs> Every day. She's like Lula for short, Lula for short. So I'm just hoping I see her and I know. Okay. There you go. Good luck. We'll, we'll see if it ends up Lula, Cholula, whatever, wherever it ends up. I'm sure Emily Sonnet will contribute a lot. Another Washington Spirit member, by the way, uh, yeah. with the U.S. Women's National Team. Ashley, great stuff. Thanks, to, uh, thanks for coming on the show. We really do appreciate the time, and congratulations again on that nice winner's medal. Thank you. Thank you for having me. 
Plenty more women's football across the ESPN platforms on Friday. It's the third of the quarterfinals at Euro 2022, Sweden versus Belgium. The quarterfinal action then continues on Saturday. France versus Netherlands. Those teams looking to join England and Germany who have already clinched their spots in the semifinals. We got some troubling news out of Mexican women's soccer. Maribel Dominguez, a legend during her time as a player with the senior national team, now manager of the U-20s. Her and her entire staff have been separated from the team. They're currently under investigation. Renet Tovar of ESPN.com reporting that the issue is of the utmost gravity. Uh, Mexican Federation then uh, having a press conference today. I'll just pull the curtain back a little bit. It happened so close to show uh, that we want to treat this with the appropriate respect. So we will keep an eye on this story as it develops and certainly covered here on Football America. Some other news around Mexican women's soccer. This is slightly more uplifting. Nelly Simon, who had been in charge of Chivas Femenil, obviously had great success there, has been named the first ever sporting director of the women's national teams in FMF history. This seems like a massive step for the women's games, who will now, all those national teams, be under the direction of Nelly Simona. So Jaime Orial is worth mentioning, uh, named director of the men's national teams. Major League Soccer now. Tati Castellanos Herc looks set to join Girona FC of La Liga, of course, also a part of the City Football Group. Looks like his last game with New York City FC will be against Montreal. Herc, put yourself in the perspective of, per se, a New York City FC fan. You see Tati Castellanos finally making that move, and it is to Girona. Are you cool with it? Nope. I'm upset. I feel like they are treating me, my team, like an unwanted stepchild here. Mm. Like a, they're, they're treating this as if it's not important, as second rate, my hard earned money. I, I mean, it's bad enough my team plays on a baseball field <laughs> and can't even play in a continental competition in state. Sometimes we have to go play in Los Angeles. It's bad enough that during the season, the head coach of our team picks up and leaves. Mm -hmm. They're okay with that. And he takes along with them the assistant coach. But now the best player in the franchise, the, the leading goal scorer of the league last year, and the guy who's currently leading the league this year is going to leave and that's cool? Yeah. We should be okay with it? Like I, I, I don't know how you could be a City fan, a New York City FC fan, and be okay with this. Yeah, and you'd assume, right, City fans probably have high exigencia, high ambitions after, you know, winning that title last year. I would be super disappointed, and I'm trying to compare it maybe to what Atlanta United fans would have felt when Miguel Almiron went to Newcastle. I feel like there was a huge sense of pride. He'd gone to a club in the Premier League. They'd been a, a big part of the development of Miguel Almiron. I cannot imagine New York City FC fans feeling that way about this move. Girona is not that club. You know, you want to see him at a big club, or a bigger club at least than Girona, and even if it wasn't 
bigger than Girona, just independent, right? I want to see a transfer fee that's that's attached to this because I want to know, hey, this is what we're getting for this player, this awesome player who we're losing in the middle of the season. From the Tati Castellanos perspective, because you got that player perspective here, do you think Girona is actually a better move than some of the other options he seemed to have, which we know were, were River Plate, Palmeiras, who seem to be coming in with some, some pretty big dollar amounts for this player? Yeah, I think that's the issue here is the dollar amount. Maybe those teams interested weren't that interested for that mm. dollar amount. So with that being said, Girona, let's for a second detach ourselves from Citigroup because you stated it very well. It looks like New York City FC might not actually get something of worth for them to, to say, hey, at least we sold them for 20 million type of deal. You're at Girona, it's La Liga, you're going to play against some very good teams. It could be a platform to mm. bigger and better. From the player's perspective, for a second, let's, let's don't think about River Plate. Don't think about Brazil. Think about mm. what you have in front of you. Okay, this is as good as it's going to get for me because I'm not being sold. I'm going to play against Real Madrid. I'm going to play against Barcelona. I'm going to play against Atletico. And then you go down. Sevilla, Valencia, uh, Villarreal, if you will, those clubs. So that's a good thing because he's a good player. I, I spoke to Chacho Cadet uh, and when, when I went down and interviewed him, uh, head coach of Celta de Vigo, and he mentioned Tati Castellano. He's like, we can't afford him. They know who he is. This is a great platform for him. All right, so uh, New York City FC will be on our airwaves coming up here. Maybe a last chance to look at Tati Castellanos, or maybe it'll be a first chance to look at New York City FC without Tati Castellanos. They'll be uh, facing Inter-Miami. Excuse me, I think I said Montreal before. Inter-Miami, Saturday, 7 p.m. Eastern time. That game available for you on ESPN+. All right, Herc, I know on our calendars, it's, it's a ways down the road. We are both going to be in Minnesota for the Major League Soccer against Liga MX All-Star Game. We'll be not seeing that guy, André Pierre Gignac, star of Tigres, will not be making the trip to participate in the game. It's his vaccination status that will keep him from traveling. This is a, a big event, Herc. It's all about the vibes, the stars. How much does not having Gignac hurt the atmosphere of the All-Star Game? Well... How much does not having the biggest star in Liga MX for the last decade hurt anything? A lot. Because mm. that's mm. who he is. He's the face of Liga MX today. He's the guy where if you had to say, who's the one star, who do you have, you're going to say, it's Andre Pierre Gignac. Now, he's not going to be here. That's going to hurt. Because mm. if you look on the Major League Soccer side, you can say whatever you want. There is star power. There is brand name recognition. And Andre Pierre Gignac was the guy you would hang your hat on on Liga MX. Like, not only is he a known commodity here in the States because everybody's now heard of Tigres, everybody now has heard of Andre Pierre Gignac, but he's still effective. He's still productive mm. along with that big name because you could say Gareth Bale, you could say Chiellini, you could even say Carlos Vela, and there will be naysayers to say, hold on a second, let's look at the body work over the last year. Is that really who you want to hang your hat on? Well, people would hang their hat on Andre Pierre Gignac when it came up to the on-field presence. And he has the brand name recognition of Liga Mekis here in the States. You're already looking at a very thin, star-powered roster for Liga Mekis. Yeah, it sounds to me like, and I think you're correct, I, I agree with you, I think it's going to be a big blow. It sounds to me you're, you're looking at it kind of from the marketing perspective, what you lose by having that guy. What about the competitive perspective, though? Because we, we like to think about this, and you saw the reaction after the MLS All-Stars beat Liga Mekis last year, both in the American but also in the Mexican press. People 
take this seriously. They, they want to see who's going to win. And I think it's going to be really hard to judge Liga Mekis and how they compete against MLS when you don't have a guy like Gignac. It makes it feel like it's... I know it's an all-star game and it's not that competitive, but if we are going to measure the two leagues against each other, I feel like it's impossible to do without this player. Yeah, I mean, he's the face of Liga Amekis. People could say, dude, he's 36 years old. Stop. He led Liga Amekis last season in goal scored at 36 years old. He's still very productive. He's the highest goal scoring uh, player still active today in Liga Amekis. It's a massive blow. Marketing, mm. it's a massive blow on the field. This is just a player that Liga Mekis, if you say, hey, I just need one player, has to show yes. up, everybody would yes. have said it's Andre Pereira-Gignac. Right? I mean, if you're, if you're thinking about it from the marketing perspective or the playing perspective and you're filling out a roster, he is literally at the top of the list. It's a major bummer uh, that he won't be with us uh, in Minnesota for the MLS vs. Liga Mekis All-Star Game. Let's see who will be there, though, from the Liga Mekis perspective because they announced their team today. One thing that jumped out to me from this list right away, you look at those goalies... Uh, Oscar Ostari, Camilo Vargas, no memo cho. I'm sure we'll get some, some explanation of that, but just like we did with the MLS All-Stars, anytime there's a list, you know how this show is. We like to focus in on the snubs, Herc. So when you saw that list, what jumped out to you as far as who wasn't on it? Yeah, I, I saw that list and I'm going through it. I'm like, I immediately go to the forwards because everybody else doesn't matter. Only the mm -hmm, forwards mm -hmm. matter. Classic. And, and classic. I'm looking at there, like, all right, Julio Furch. I could see him being on there. Juan Dineno, I have no idea. Okay, but I could see if somebody said, hey, CCL Merit, whatever, I guess. Uh, but I'm looking and I'm like, where's Nico Ibanez? Nico Ibanez, there was one person who scored more league goals than him last year, and that was Andre Pierre Gignac. But nobody scored more goals than him, period, last season. He had one less goal than Andre Pierre Gignac, but he went on a tear during playoffs. And he happens to play for the best team in the league, in my point of view today, their style of play, which is Pachuca, uh, and that high-scoring offense. And if you look at his play this season, I mean, he's picking right back up where he left. This is a mm. player that needs to be there, goal-scoring prowess just in general. I thought it was a massive blow. He's a, he's a star in the making. He's the best finisher in Liga Amekis. Like that, If you said, hey, pick one finisher today, that's my finisher. I couldn't believe he's on there, and a few other of those names are. America fans, we don't know anybody on this show. Still shuddering at the thought of, of Nico Ibanez and the, and the lethal finisher that he is based on last season. Uh, okay, look, I was looking at the list, and, and for me it wasn't a snub that jumped out, but it was a name that I was like really shocked to see on it. And it's funny because when they release the list, they do so in alphabetical order. So this player was at the very top of the list. Uriel Antuna. Uriel Antuna as an all-star, that to me, Herc, seems like a very much of a, a marketing move before a, what this player is actually doing currently based on form. You agree with me there? Yeah, it's, it's a coach's pick, right? So uh, Diego Aguirre, the coach of Cruz Azul, gets to pick who he wants. And for some reason, he mm -hmm. thought in the forwards list, he should add Uriel Antuna. Not Santiago Jimenez. Uriel Antuna, that was a bit of a head-scratcher for me. Um, you get to pick who you want if you're the coach, I guess. But this one definitely was a head-scratcher. I think another snub you mentioned in our production meeting, uh, Rodrigo Aguirre, but uh, injured. So even if they had uh, picked yeah. him, probably wouldn't be available for this game. All right, uh, we've seen the MLS roster, Herc. But you know with MLS, we always get the coaches, uh, the commissioner's pick. So here they are, a look at the, uh, the list of players who will be added to the MLS All-Star team. Uh, no surprise there. We got some some big names. Hey, we got a DC United player that snuck in there. Taxi Funtas. Anybody jump jump out to you from that list, Herc? Yeah, I mean DeAndre Yedlin, Miami's got a rep. Okay, 
Okay, I see you. I guess. There it is. So the uh, the commissioner and coaches picks for MLS All-Star Game against Liga Mekis. Ooh, speaking of coaches picks for Liga Mekis All-Stars, we might have to have a late addition here. Dani Alves is going to join Pumas on a free transfer from wild rumor to done deal. Hercules Gomez, the 39-year-old, played for Barcelona last year, and now he's coming to Liga Mekis and Pumas, one of the grandes of Mexican soccer. All right, Herc. What's the impact of this move? Does it make Pumas contenders for the league title, in your opinion? No. It, it, it makes them gullible. It makes them suckers. They paid $3 million for Danny Alves. And all of you guys are saying, well, Danny Alves is worth it. Danny Alves is 39-year-old. He's a 39-year-old, excuse me, right back on a team that is cash-strapped, on a team that has no resources, a team that sold off every possible piece of goods that they've had in the past it doesn't matter if it was charlie gonzalez he gone didn't matter if it was eric lira he gone juan pablo Vigón, he gone alan mozo he gone anybody of worth they had to sell because they had no money so all of a sudden you're going to spend three million dollars mm. On a right back who is 39 years of age, when the head coach has said, we're going to play the young guns, we're going to be an intense team, we're going to be difficult to play against, up to, up to up in tempo, excuse me, intensity, uh, up and down the field, and it's Danny Alves, that's the bullet that you choose to use? I, I just don't understand it. I mean, great player in his own right? Sure, if you just got him at the right price, I'd say this is a tremendous signing, but at $3 million a year? Wow. It's clear you don't like the sticker price. That is that is very clear. I wonder about the question itself, though. Does he does he make them contenders? Because that's a pretty low bar when you think about Mexican soccer, right? Twelve of the teams get into the playoffs, uh, and we've seen teams go on runs before, especially Pumas. Like I don't think they're that far off from being considered a contender. Here's what I will say, because you know I, if I've ever been wrong, probably the time I was most wrong was about Wayne Rooney coming to D.C. United as a player. And the thing I got most wrong about that was not what he would do, right? Not what Danny Alves would do, as we're comparing. It's the impact that the player has on everybody else around him. Wayne Rooney made all the players at D.C. United step up their level. And I don't think I'm crazy to suggest, Herc, that Danny Alves could have a similar impact on the Pumas dressing room. This is a player who is a huge personality. So do you really think that they, they can't compete for a title? Uh, remind me again what DC did in those two seasons as a team. <laughs> a lot more than they've done since and a lot more than they did before. They but made they the playoffs. There was not a single postseason victory. But the point is, Herc, he had a huge impact on the players around him who, even if just for a little bit, raised their level beyond anything that they'd produced during that season. And in a short season like the Liga MX season is, I feel like Bumas could absolutely catch fire. Bumas every year could absolutely catch fire and they've proven it and they still not won. Okay. He's a 39-year-old right back. So he's going to catch fire this is the year because next year he'll be 40. Oh, yeah, and we know what happens to people when they turn 40. Just look at you, Hercules you Gomez. Just look at you. Uh, you don't like the, uh, the move for Pumas. I wonder what you think of the latest result for Chivas. Uh, they played again last night against Leon, and yet again, Herc, Chivas could not scrape together the three points. Yeah, you're going to see a penalty kick right here. Uh, Chicote Calderon, I'll say that's the next one. But what about this? Check this out. Look at this finish. <laughs> Bangers <Vega>. only. <laughs> but wait, but wait. Everything good. This is why we can't have nice things. Oh, what a shot. What an angle. 
VAR intervenes, Herc. Yeah, yeah. Did they get it right? Yeah, I mean, pretty clear interference there. I, listen, would he have gotten there? Never. That doesn't change the rule. Here's the penalty kick, and here's what Rodolfo Cota does very well. Penalty kick saves. Oh, Chivas, I can, hear, I can hear the groan of pain from Beto, our producer, a lifelong Chivas fan, as he watches. Beto, why do you do this to yourself? You chose to put this highlight in, man. Oh, he gone for that one. <laughs> What's up with this Chivas team, Herc? Another game without a win, another game without another a goal. Another red card as well, that's what they do. All right, so here's a look at the weekend slate across Liga MX as we head to Jornada 4. Some good ones. Saturday, you got Cruz Azul Puebla, America against Cholos, Tigres against Atlas, and then Sunday, Pachuca against Pumas. Maybe Danny Alves will be there in attendance. Hey, Herc, you were on the red carpet at the ESPYs last night. So were a lot of stars, and we had a lot of soccer winners, uh, including Megan Rapino. I'm sure that was a cool experience, you being there on the red carpet. Yeah, it was very cool being on the red carpet. I, I saw Megan on the red carpet. She says, mm -hmm. hello, by the way, sends her best. Brandy Chastain was there. There was a, there was a lot of uh, players, uh, soccer players, to say, on the red carpet. It was a very cool night. Look at that jacket. Do you know? Do you know the SP she won for for a goal Olimpico? Yeah. That, by the way, you're hating on. I, I did. I said Anara Nuka was a goalkeeper in there as well. All right, then time for our parting shot here on Football Americas. Very excited about the upcoming documentary. Welcome to Wrexham. Uh, pretty cool stuff. We got Ryan Reynolds in the mix. This is going to be great. You pumped, Herc? Yeah. It's not just Ryan Reynolds. It's Rob McElhenney. Now. You're asking who? This man is one of the funniest people on TV. He's one of the creators of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. These two guys, an American actor and a Canadian actor, decided to go and buy a team in Wales, a Welsh team. And they're doing mm. a documentary about it. This is awesome. I invite both on mm. Football Americas. Get in touch with us. We want you here. We want you talking yes. about it. Yes, this, I mean, you imagine the success that they had with Sunderland Till I Die. This feels like a, a, another kind of instance to watch that story, but this time from the jump. Uh, I'm, I'm super pumped about this. This will be great. All right, uh, we got to get out of here, Herc. We've run over the hour. Quick note about our next show, because I know we promised a Casey Keller interview with Alfonso Davies. We will do that on Monday next week. Hercules Gomez, he gone. Vacation. Punta mita, here I come. Kicking these shoes up. Wow, look at that. Plus, we'll be all over the Open Cup semifinals next week. Exciting times all around American soccer. We'll see you on Monday.